Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and thank you for joining me today. We're talking about proof theory, and we've been sort of having this like pretty gradual warm-up into proof theory. I hope that's, I hope that's comfortable and not too slow for you or anything. Um, but yeah, so what I wanted to talk about today on my actual real commute in to teach my in-person class, um, as I'm forced to do here, uh, is uh, <clears throat> the several different kinds of proof systems, which as I mentioned in the last episode, are pretty standard and you find them pretty much all over any kind of work in proof theory that, I mean, they're, they're definitely the starting point or, you know, yeah, they're, they're all ubiquitous in proof theory, I think it's fair to say. And uh, the, the, the most important ones are natural deduction and sequent calculus. And there's also something called um, Hilbert style, uh, Hilbert style formalization. Now, what are we talking about with these three things? We're talking about particular ways to write rules of proof for a variety of different logics. These are sort of, I mean, these approaches, so it's kind of like an approach to how do you give the rules, uh, proof rules for a logic. Remember, you know, the proof rules are intended that we could actually do deductions in them, like we could write them out on paper, or even more, you know, powerfully, we could use computer software to check these kind of proofs. Uh, so, um, I think, uh, just in case I don't, I run out of time, I think I'll start with natural deduction and sequent calculus, the most, yeah, I'd say important ones, definitely for sort of applied proof theory in computer science, uh, and, and a lot of other proof theory that I've seen. So, um, both of these systems are due to the same brilliant researcher, Gerhard Gensen, whose life, as I mentioned before, unfortunately was cut a bit short, sadly. Um, in World War II. And uh, the basic, uh, let me try for the basic idea of these two things. In both cases, um, I think it's fair to say that proofs are mostly quite local. Mostly quite local, the proof rules. That is, I look at my current piece of proof, I'm, like I'm writing a proof, like imagine I'm just writing it on paper. Okay, whatever it is, I'm writing it down, and I've gotten some step of the way, okay? Now, to apply one of these rules, um, with, with basically probably just like one exception or so, uh, I, um, no, I think it's, okay, either it's completely local or it's almost all local, and by local, I mean to figure out if what I need to do to apply an inference, like I've, I've got a big piece of proof I've already written, and I want to do an inference, right? Inference means like take one little step of proving, okay? So for an example of an inference, like say I've proved, you know, the sky is blue, and I've proved grass is green, and I would like to conclude from those two facts the formula, the sky is blue and the grass is green, you say, I thought you said you proved that. You said you proved the sky is blue and the grass is green. Yeah, yeah, but that and in that statement is the metalogical and. In other words, it's saying I've got one proof. Let's say I wrote it on my, you know, my uh, yellow piece of paper that says the sky is blue. And I've got a second proof that I wrote on my orange piece of paper. I've got to lose track of my colors. Oh my gosh. That says the grass is green. Okay. So those are two separate proofs. I have two proofs. So I have both facts are proved, but that's a conjunctive state of affairs 
at my meta logic. Like as I'm talking about the deduction I'm doing, right? I could be, you know, I could be hanging out um, in a Zoom room. Oh gosh, how depressing! And saying, "Hey, you know, it's cool, guys. I I proved this first fact and I proved that second fact. Like I got these two pieces of paper. I proved it. You know, it's like it's a meta logical fact that I've got a conjunction." Now, the and inwards rule, and this is similar to what we talked about last time with for all introduction rules, for all, proving a universal statement. Um, now, given the fact that I have these two proofs, I can, you know, most logics will let you conclude within the logic the particular formula that says the sky is blue and, like imagine this and with like an, you know, a mathematical symbol like the up, down, you know, the wedge that points up or, or whatever you want. But the point is, this is now a formula within my logic that I have proved by doing an, a particular inference. An inference means applying a rule, okay, to some other stuff that you already have. Um, some of the rules don't require you to have anything, and then you can do an inference just with nothing. Those are called axioms, rules that don't require you to already have any proof of anything. Um, you know, like you might have an axiom that just, perhaps you have an axiom somewhere that says, um, you know, x equals x. There could be uh, a proof system that had that kind of axiom. Or, as I said a couple times ago, you know, it's good practice to try to separate what are, are sort of the rules of the game, like what are the logical rules, from what are specific facts about some domain I'm thinking about, like integers or, you know, whatever it is, probabilities or something, that I have some axioms. Like if I had some theory of integer arithmetic, I might very well have an axiom that says, x equals x for all x. I mean, there's different ways I could even express that. Um, but it would not require me to, pr to, to give it, you know, uh, I would, don't need any subproof, something that I already proved, in order to apply that inference. It's an axiom. Um, so, okay. So in natural deduction, um, the inferences, the way I taught this before in classes and stuff was... Um, you have kind of like prove it and use it rules. <laughs> this was for an undergrad class. <laughs> prove it and use it rules. It was like um, for each logical connective, and depending on your logic, you know, you'll have different ones. But let's just keep ourselves like pretty tame and just think we're working in like classical propositional logic or something like that. So we have connectives like and and or and not and implies. And, and as you know, you know, you can, you can have very small bases very small sets of operators can be sufficient to define um, other ones in classical propositional logic. In other logics, like the ones we care about for type theory more, which is intuitionistic logic, uh, that's not true. The, you have to add proof rules separately for, for most of these things. They're not interderivable. Um, so uh, a prove-it rule is kind of like, if I'm trying to prove a formula that's that has the the particular connective, like and, let's say. If I'm trying to prove a conjunction, then in natural deduction, there's a rule that says, well, if you, that's one we were just talking about. If you've got separate proofs of the two facts that you're trying to conjoin, then you can pr prove, you can sort of grow your proof a little bit by gluing together those two proofs you've got and concluding that you have the conjunction within your logic as a formula of the facts that those proofs prove. Okay, so, and for all these other connectives, there are rules to prove the formula, given some other proof that you've already done. For example, like an or. Like or, um, and they call these introduction rules. At first, this threw me when I was learning this stuff, but um, 
when you're because you're introducing the connective. You didn't have it before. Like with conjunction, right? You call it and introduction, this inference I was just talking about, because you started out with proofs of um, you know, these two subformulas, and all of a sudden you prove this their conjunction. So the and has kind of appeared uh, when it wasn't there in the, the subproofs you're proving. I mean the subproofs you had. Uh, it didn't it didn't end in conjunctions, but now you're going to create a conjunction, so that you're introducing it. It's appearing now in your proof at that particular spot. Of course, it could have appeared in other spots too, but it's appearing right there. So it's an and introduction rule. Um, that's kind of the prove it rules. Are all introduction rules that are saying you're trying to prove, like if you're trying to prove a, an or statement, that's a disjunction, right? You say, well, if I've proved some formula A, then I'm entitled to conclude A or B. Right? Because semantically, A or B means one of the other of them is true. And if I proved, say, the first one, then that, that satisfies that. And similarly, if I proved B, I'm also entitled to conclude A or B. Okay, so these are introduction rules for A, for or. You have two of them. Because there's, there's two ways you can prove an or. Proving the first part of the conjunction or proving the second, the disjunction or the second part. Okay? And so forth. So you have these rules, introduction rules where the connective appears. Um, the elimination rules are the other ones. These are the use it rules. I was saying prove it or use it. <laughs> um, and the use it rules, the elimination rules are what if I have a proof of an and? What am I allowed to do? Well, if you have a proof of an and, then you know that must, basically that has to mean that the two things that are being anded together are both true. Um, and so uh, you can you can conclude one of them or the other one as you wish. So if I've proved A and B, from this I could conclude A, and similarly I could conclude B if I wish. You say, why would you want to do that? If you proved A and B, starting from a proof of A and another proof of B, and you get A and B, why would you want to get the A proof out again? That's sort of silly. You already had that. Like, well, well, that, that would be kind of a little silly, although silly in a way that is important. <laughs> we'll talk about subsequently, but because um, that's a detour, like doing an introduction and then elimination is called a detour. It's kind of pointless. You didn't really need to do that. Uh, and proof theory studies the process of eliminating detours. Okay. So, um, but another way that you could have a proof of a conjunction is if you have an assumption. So you could say, let's assume a and B is true. Now, what can I deduce from such an assumption? Well, now I need to use my elimination rule. I don't actually have a proof of A lying around or a proof of B. I just have this assumption, which is kind of like a proof, you know, out of nowhere. I don't get to really know anything about it. I just know, well, somehow I've proved that A and B is true. And so if I could use an elimination rule to go from that A and B proof to a proof of A or to a proof of B. Okay, um, I'm arrived at my destination. I didn't get through lots of stuff I was still wanting to talk about, but that's cool because um, I will tell you more about it uh, sometime very soon. So thanks again for listening, and yeah, don't forget to drop me an email if you're game for, if you'd like to join this October mini course on normalization, a technical topic in type theory where we show the typable terms can't run forever. They will eventually reach a normal form. Okay, send me an email. I'm super sorry, European friends who are listening in. I, my schedule it makes it impossible for me to do this earlier in the day because I'm taking care of my children during the pandemic. And so I know that's actually pretty much devastating for European attendance. Um, if, you know, hey, if you're in Europe and you wanted to do this, shoot me an email so I know and, and maybe I'll plan a second version that somehow 
I'm not quite sure how. <laughs> I don't know how I could do it. But I, if you want to do it, but you can't because of the time, in the evening time, central U.S. time, let me know and I'll see if I can make it right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Take care. Hope you're well wherever you are.